everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. Uh, we're on episode 38. I'm Evan. And I'm Tom. And yeah, welcome. Welcome wherever you're listening from. Uh, on today's episode, Tom, uh, what are you going to cover? Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, Evan. Thanks for um, saying hello again. <laughs> I'm going to cover uh, the Human Genome Project uh, because week ago, two weeks ago, there was a news release about com- complete genome sequence that we that the scientists have finally co- but completed. But Tom, the- we've already sequenced the genome. What are you <laughs> talking about? That are like, that's all news. Exactly. Apparently, there were some parts that we have missed the first few times around we did it. Okay. So right now, there's another proclamation that is a complete genome sequence, but. As I start talking about it, we will see, is it really complete or is still something Ooh. missing? Is there still some mysteries to unravel? Damn right. Some new it. Indiana movie, Indiana Jones movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Indiana like Jones and the human genome. <laughs> <laughs> Do they also lock him in the fridge in this, in this Maybe, movie I, as well? <laughs> I think they lock him into the lab. That's that's his master. And just leave him there without with sandwiches and so on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then today I'm just going to do it, cover a news headline, and it's basically uh, I'm going to re look at uh, an old main story I did about the adalimumab for Alzheimer's. So there was new info released, the actual release, the trial data. Um, so I'm going to break it down and see what what actually were the results from this um, paper that they released. Oh, so, so actual follow-up to something you've had before. Yeah, yeah. So some. Well, I, I think it's an interesting story. So, uh, giving people what they want, they wanted. They were just hounding me looking for more info about it. So it's like, okay, right, I need right. to re, re, redo, look at, re-examine uh, new story, the new leads in the story. So yeah, you have to do what people want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to give them what they want. Damn um, right. Yeah, and before I get into that, how are you getting on? We're we're recording just before the Easter break. Um, That's it. So you pumped Fly. for Easter? Um, I'm pumped because I got a chance to talk to you again today, and uh, <laughs> I'm also pumped. I'm also pumped because tomorrow on f- Friday I'm going home for Easter, nice. which is the best. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that made me really excited. Yeah, I think we're both on a bit of a. Because we're just at the eve of the Easter's the break, so we're both like, "Yay, can have exactly. a few days off." That's it. Yeah, just um, relax. Exactly. I had actually a bit of a. Did you ever have a? Um, I was met some friends there, old friends recently, and I, I had a bit of a nerd moment. Like I realized, uh, if you've ever had one of these, where you're like, you realize how nerdy you are um so like you know how most people flex by they have money or like cars or houses or planes or whatever where children (laughs) where we were flexing on each other through pubmed uh publications and the numbers we had (laughs) as you do as you do so i was like wow that's um that just that tells a lot about me and my priorities. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's maybe a good thing as well. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> Nothing better than, uh, like, look how many citations I've got compared to you. Did your mates have any citations? Yeah, he had a few, Did- yeah. He's in a bit yeah. of a different field than mine. So, but I, He's done a PhD and I haven't done a PhD. So I still think 
mine in. right i didn't actually right. check which do you think is better like more papers or more citations depends uh i think citations because you have have a loads of like trashy papers yeah just put it out there quality even, over quantity yeah even though yeah, that's not always you, the case for phds <laughs> or, sometimes you just want to bang them papers out <laughs> yeah but i think yeah if you have a decent number of citations i think that means that your work is being validated or recognized by other people not validated but recognized by I mean, other it's people it's useful in their research. it is useful yeah, yeah. but if you if you if you publish something and 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 it's just nothing there ever yeah and like it's not every good paper is gonna get like over 100 citations or anything but like if you let's say you have 20 or 50 papers and none of them are getting any traction then mm. is it is it the journal or is it your science <laughs> yeah you know it's always a journal um <laughs> yeah do you ever have any of them can you, nerdy moments you can't recall it's just i think it's my life since i moved here <laughs> yeah I suppose that's a, that's like it's not. I'm sure I'm saying, oh, that's nerdy, but like that's just like most PhD yeah. students' regular day. Like, how many do you when you meet someone? Like, what's your how many papers just, you published? But like, I think yeah. it was because we were flexing on each other more than anything. Okay. We were well, like, we, oh, look how it wasn't like out of um, recognition. It was like, oh, look how how much I have done. Yeah, yeah. I know. For example, like I know my life is a bit nerdy just in general and it's like i'm not flexing but sometimes you know when you see like these stock images of people represent doing things in the lab or something like that <laughs> yeah and like it's and just looking just, at colored water yeah, or, and it's just so dumb and yeah. like i see these things straight away and it's like this is not real science this is not how yeah. it's being done i think it's you know? when i was in a lab and they were doing a photo shoot and i realized behind the scenes of what it's is and then every time now i look at a a photo in a, in a, a newspaper in a lab it's always the same like they just yeah. take pictures of them calling color liquid up to the light it's like and it means nothing <laughs> it means nothing <laughs> i suppose yeah, so it doesn't have to say a lot it's just a picture but yeah because taking a picture of someone culturing cells is not really exciting no, right? exactly. you can you can't really see cells or anything no. like that so and yeah but that's not a, a piece or um a real-time PCR is not gonna, <laughs> not gonna <laughs> look. You're betting 396 wells. Like yeah, exactly. it's not that exciting. Uh, but I had something exciting hap that happened to me yesterday. If oh, I yeah. may, we with our group, with Blindness Genetics Group in Radboud UMC, we went to the museum in Nijmegen, which actually is focused on spreading awareness about blindness and and blind people and and all the history surrounding like braille alphabet and stuff like that oh, cool. but what the most uh, kind of a uh, resonating thing that is they put you in in the black pitch black room where you can't see even your hand in front of your in front of your eyes and you're given a, a, a blind a stick that blind people operate mm. and literally the whole experience is, takes place in that room and there is like different things in that room for example we were in the room that uh, were supposed to represent a journey in paris so you start at the uh, train station then you move to another yeah. thing and so on so on and it's like and you can't see anything. You only rely on your on the sound of the person who is there trying to guide you through this yeah. through this room. That person is also blind, 
and uh, I was so paralyzed in there. It yeah. was so real. Like you, like you literally see nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's so like I felt so weird. Did your um other senses really heighten? No, no, I was I was no because I was only there for like an hour. But like oh. you know, what was the most uh, what I was most aware of in yeah. my and my head. I was like, because I was there with six other girls, because we, we went as a group. Yeah. And all all the thing that I could think about was like, please don't grab someone inappropriately by mistake. <laughs> that was like, that was the only thing in my oh head. My well, you have a good excuse now. It was just like, oh, I can't see anything. No, I didn't do it. I was just, <laughs> and that's why like, I was moving like extra slow. And it's just, don't, God, don't let me bump into anyone like chest area or anything like that. Please, God. Just the hands I, by your side <laughs> i was so it was so scary so except God. for so i had this harassment angle angle that was like really scary for me but like just yeah experiencing being blind is um uh, yeah it's really scary it I, says a lot about you that you weren't the most worried thing you were about was touching someone inappropriately not like hurting yourself or <laughs> no, like just bumping into a wall or embarrassing yourself like no i just don't want to inappropriately touch someone don't want to yeah get cancelled yeah. for life i don't want to be cancelled there is a future ahead of me so yeah that's a little something <laughs> i oh, wanted to share sure. yeah what's yeah. that called if people want to check it out yeah so if you're in nijmegen uh the place is just called museum <laughs> just museum okay. just museum <laughs> there's yeah. only one and museum in it in Nijmegen, I, so it's it's in the middle of the city center so okay. like you can't you you can't miss it okay yeah it's right. well well recommended okay yeah if people want to check it out uh tom gives his thumbs up to it so yeah right so uh i might as well get into my news headline um go back into uh a throwback into a story i did before so um there was an alzheimer's drug that was approved by the fda fda um at the time i was calling it adacibumab but now it's actually a now a new marketed name it's called aduhelm i think they must have realized adacibumab was it must have been just the pro like product name but then when it's commercial name would be aduhelm i suppose it gets known like that as okay. the drug gets developed so that's the company name no the company name is biogen the company making it is Biogen. The drug is called Aduhelm. It's like yeah, but that's the name that's known. gonna be that's the name that's gonna be on the package. Yeah, Aduhelm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, I've talked about it and how its supposed benefits, which appeared to be based on the reduction of plaque sizes in the brain, were outweighed by the downfalls of potential brain swelling and the need for constant MRI, MRIs. Um, yeah, so it's been the subject of fierce debate since the FDA gave it accelerated approval. Um, the agency's own expert ad advisory committee had recommended against allowing Aduhelm onto the market by 10 votes to zero with one abs abstention. But after a hosting a meeting of patients group, the regular gave an unexpected uh, approval. So that was the that's how I had left it the last time. Mm -hmm. So we finally got more info after the trial data was published. So the first thing was... Um, I know how I mentioned about uh, your journals and like which would you rather get published in. So the paper was published in a respectable, but it's a small publication. It's called the Journal of Prevention of Alzheimer's Disease, which has very a very field specific. Yeah. And it's only has an impact factor of 
well only but it has an impact factor of 4.5 but it's field specific so that's good for a field specific uh journal well you could say that yeah but then other it's usually trial data on such a major new drug this is the first drug ever approved for uh, alzheimer's are usually okay. would, should be in a top journal such as Journal of American American Medical Association or New England Journal of Medicine. Like they have fifty six impact factor and ninety one respectively. So, um, you can say what, what you, you want. Mean. Yeah, I see um, what you mean. As well as that, the editor of this journal of prevention of Alzheimer's disease, his name is Pauk Asen, is one of the authors of the paper and has worked <laughs> as a paid consultant for the company Biogen. So okay. that's a bit first kind of a red flag, I suppose, if you want to say it like that. Yeah, um, conflict of interest, perhaps. The company submitted the paper to the the Journal of American Medical Association last year, but withdrew it to, an, uh, in inverted commas, to pursue other publication opportunities, according to the news website, website Axios. <laughs> uh, and Biogen declared declined to comment on its reasons for withdrawing the paper. So... It's one of those things you'd be like, I didn't want to apply there anyways. That was why they withdrew. Yeah. Mm, anyways, okay. so so two phase three trials. I had mentioned this before. So there's called Emerge and Engage. They were stopped early after futility analysis suggested that they were unlikely to produce positive results. So only 55% of the patients intended ever completed the trials. But after reviewing the data, after they had finished it, the trial, the Biogen announced that the futility analysis had been based on false assumptions and that the final data from the Emerge trial, but not the Engage, so one of them, mm-hmm. uh, had shown evidence of treatment benefit measured by patients' cognitive test scores. Okay. So in the researchers found that the primary outcome measure, which was an increase from baseline to week 78 on a clinical dementia rating scale that assesses both function and cognition, uh, Emerge reported 39% less increase in high-dose adesivimab. Uh, the the decline was less compared to with the placebo uh, with a lower score signaling, signaling milder dementia. But in the other group or in the engaged group, there was no improvement seen. With the okay. treated with the treated subject scores rising by an extra 30 percent so um yeah so it was kind of weird like why was there such a divergent results in nearly the identical trials Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and the fda statistician statistician found that the apparent clinical benefit emerged was largely based on a greater than expected cognitive decline in the placebo group rather than a slowing of cognitive decline in the treatment group um, so this was one of the factors that led to them initially recommend not recommending its approval. So it actually reckoned it wasn't because the drug wasn't slowing down the dementia. Uh, it was the more placebo got worse. The placebo groups maybe it wasn't uh, randomized correctly or mm-hmm. some issue like that, and that this group declined faster than maybe yeah. expected. Um. And they also reckon that there was likely unblo- unblinding of the trial subjects because um, a common af- adverse effect, as I said, of the aduhelm is uh, amyloid-related imaging abnormalities such as brain oedema, which can be serious or asymptomatic. So generally, they would know who was on the drug because they would have to get regular MRIs and they would see this uh, side effect. So 
if they were unblinded, it -hmm. could be like they were treated more favorably, more likely to try and uh, work the results that they would want to see. So again, that's not... um, Not the best practice. Yeah, it said the company hasn't really responded to any comments about the paper, but they said that a new unpublished data showed that um, Aduhelm is continuing after 128 weeks to lower two biomarkers, amyloid beta plaque and plasma P-tau 181, which are called key Alzheimer's disease pathologies. But this is the issue I mentioned last time. They're using endpoint markers, which aren't indicative of the disease. So just because these are reducing doesn't mean that the disease is going to be less uh, damaging. Yeah. So they're trying to make it, come to a conclusion based on uh, and these biomarkers which may not indicate the true disease severity so this is the controversial aspect of it um so at fifty six thousand dollars a patient each year with millions of potential patients the drug has been forecast to wreck the because it's approved in america medicare so medicare is what uh, how to these patients can afford to pay for it because the government will pay so they think it's going to actually smash it like how much it's going to cost a new tv advertising campaign it was a patient group called us against alzheimer's seeks to pressure medicare to change its decision to actual pay for the drug to be used because actually that was sorry i should say that because it was so expensive medicare weren't going to pay for it so that's why they ended up slashing the cost Mm -hmm. and now this uh patient group were like can we please put in pressure to try and get it approved for medicare uh, and they were like, these are new treatments that could slow the progression of Alzheimer's. A real patient says in the ad, Medicare plans to deny coverage for these new treatments. And that's wrong. However, us against Alzheimer's receives funding from Biogen, though the precise amount is unknown. Uh, and they said Alzheimer's uh, Association and us against Alzheimer's are not patient groups. They're actually nearly paid lobby groups for the drug. So I was just going to say, <laughs> is it, that sounds like a lobby group. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a bit not promising, as well. If you want to say it that way, um, lots of controversy around that that particular drug. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm not not a fan, but but it's you have it, to start somewhere. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So the drug. Con- might might not work because the results of clinical trials are a little bit Shady. not all over the place but they are not in agreement well it it definitely look yeah they, they did two trials one of them worked yeah. one of them didn't mm-hmm. but they didn't they stopped the trial prematurely and went back and looked and tried to find a fit get yeah. the results to fit their narrative so yeah and now bit, they oh. and now they're trying to lobby uh for the drug to be covered yeah when okay yeah and it's like the patients will get it right they if they know they can get alzheimer they desperate right no yeah like the that that disease that condition is extremely oh it's painful it's devastating yeah but like as i said alzheimer's is kind of like such a broad term there's so many different groups so again like how do you know which one might be more effective for um i don't know it's just their whole principle for that drug is that it it targets the amyloid plaques, yeah, right? Yeah. So so the whole hypothesis behind it is like you get rid of the the amyloid plaques, you get rid of the disease. Yeah. But yeah, so 
well, I guess it's hard to say we weld in C because now <laughs> by saying that you are, what I'm implying is that we would actually have to have patients taking this and and wait for the results and see what happens, well, which is like the worst that, way to do it. But like the FDA has approved it, so yeah. what else can you do? Um, I definitely well okay I I will speculate that this is going to be one of these drugs that's going to end up being taken off the market in the future I think that's what ultimately is going to happen but maybe I'll be wrong I mean it all depends how many people will be affected negatively by it yeah and And the fact that you have to get MRIs for the rest of your life it's just as a way of monitoring the yeah the the progress or decline yeah, well, no, it's swelling. more for the swelling because the side effects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, man, thanks for bringing us down. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone was looking to find out more, there you go. And uh, we will keep... we will see. If it if it does get taken off the market, we'll definitely... I'll try and mention yeah. it, so... <laughs> I was going to say to keep an eye on that one, but because um, um, it's a tricky one. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my, uh, my news okay. story. Okay. Well, or, thank um, you, Evan. No worries. Uh, Hope you weren't too bummed no, out no. by that, but no, very. We have I mean, to. We gotta. Get, to know. We have to be skeptical here. We gotta tell the truth, whatever. And yeah, <laughs> it's important to know. And the, the worst case, uh, like, please don't understand it the way that we are saying that clinical trials don't work. Yeah, because they do work. This is just an an extreme example of something that shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. Yeah, I think people are just so desperate that that they're willing to do whatever it can be done yeah well or money yeah <laughs> anyways okay Evan yeah thanks for thanks for that no it's important as we said uh um, yeah so do you want to get tell us then about uh this new human re- genome this new genome human genome sequence new human genome sequence I maybe if you want to tell us maybe what is a human genome the definition before you go into what the actual uh, yes the news is or the discovery so is. we all have we all have uh, chromosomes mm-hmm. 46 chromosomes in humans and the unless chromosome- you have down syndrome yes then you have trisomy of chromosome 21 uh, Sorry, so, I've already like pointed out mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> no. So in the healthy individual. We have healthy human individual has 46 chromosomes and these chromosomes are nothing else than DNA tightly packed um, around little proteins that makes them more compressed and they could be, as I said, packed together, squished together very tightly so everything can fit inside the cell. It's basically like if you have a cable and you don't yes. want to just throw the cable into if you're trying to put it away you don't want to just like leave it all round up because it just takes up much space so you try and like wind it around a yeah. spool or something like that and um that way it's it's takes up less space so basically and, and dna is just doing like an e- extreme version of that and by taking less space it can fit into the cell any cell because every cell in our body contains the same DNA. Well, yeah, let's leave it at that. Okay. So, so that's the genome. And this genome contains all the 
genetic information, coding information that is necessary for us to be. So it is really important to know to know the recipe for us, if I can say it that way. So I will start by giving a little bit of background to the history of the Human Genome Project. Then I will talk a little bit about the findings of the newly released genome and what will be the consequences of this discovery. So I thought three nicely packed um, little, uh, little stories. So on March 31st, the scientists released a 100% complete human genome from end to end. But that kind of goes against what we have all known <laughs> because we already heard about we already heard about the human genome project and we already thought that it was the complete human genome was sequenced because that's how it was advertised. Yeah, every every biology, every <laughs> class in genetics, it was always yeah. just like we did it, we already finished it. We know it never was like oh no, we only did. <laughs> certain amount <laughs> we only did x percentage yeah you all just focus on the good things yeah so i thought like okay let's go back to the start and the first human genome project you probably know that but it operated from the 1990 to 2003 and it provided researchers with the basic information about the sequences of the three billion chemical base pairs these being adenine thymine guanine and cytosine and these are the building blocks of all living things that are known to us. Maybe there are some aliens with different <laughs> chemical. Um, so you have to know that prior to the Human Genome Project and this, uh, the sequences of many genes were contributed by many individual scientists working in the lab, just in isolation. But obviously, on it was on such it was still on a small scale and it wasn't enough and we needed people just to go in there and just solely focus on deciphering the mystery of the human genetic code and when the when this argumentation started about sequencing the whole genome it was um, it was a lot of controversy about it and people that participated in these discussions were not only scientists but also politicians and ethicists and again, this was being done because no one has ever performed such a thing before. And we weren't sure of the consequences of such a discovery. The arguments discussed included the merits of doing this uh, research, as well as the risks. And most importantly, how much is it going to cost to sequence, <laughs> yeah. to sequence the human genome project? But like, I suppose now in hindsight, you're like, it, it made so much sense to do it because to, oh, yeah. to get genetic diseases is like... You have to sequence the genome. No, it, indeed, but back in the day, I think it was taught that once we figure out the, yeah. the, the blueprint of the DNA, we basically gonna become gods and we'll be yeah. able to do everything. And now we know how far from that, <laughs> how far from that the thinking was. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing was kickstarted in 1990 under the leadership of American geneticist, Francis Collin, but uh, Francis Collins, but once he get, got on board, there was more and more scientists joining in and it became like a big open access study. So they were constantly sharing the new sequences they were getting out uh, just to really, you know, speed up the whole process. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't fast enough. And in 1998, there was a private sector enterprise called Celera Genomics, uh, directed by American biochemist 
under the name of Craig Venter, and he began to competing with the, with the publicly funded oh, human wow. genome project. He was like, That's we can do it better and faster. And at the heart of the competition was the prospect of gaining control over potential patents yeah. of the genome sequence, which, has a, a considered a, which was considered a pharmaceutical tre treasure trophy. Yeah. Because, you know, once you know, the D once you know the DNA, you can solve all the diseases. Yeah. So obviously, pharma wants to get on that. Well, if you got that, you can patent a certain part of it. You can like, okay, well, if anyone wants to do work on it, they have to pay me. That's it. And a little bit of a trivia knowledge. In 2018, the Supreme Court in America, they actually passed the law that you're not allowed to patent um, a native human DNA. Oh, great. Yeah, I was going so, to ask that. I was like... Um, is that is that a thing? But like, yeah, no. I, it, it makes sense that you can't. Yeah, and it took them so many years until 2018 yeah. to realize that. Oh my god! Um, but back to the story. In 2003, uh, the first draft was released into the into the ether, into the scientific world, and that was a significant date because it was exactly 50 years since the Watson and Crick published a mm -hmm. paper about DNA in 1953. So uh, a big step for the Human Genome Project. So technically, a story should end it there. Yeah. But <clears> the, the, what wasn't it? Uh, and I suppose the the main takeaway points, I think, at the time was um, we thought that we'd be super complex human, like the genome would be super complex compared to like uh, other animals that aren't as yeah. smart by when they actually <laughs> looked into it. It was like, we actually have the similar amount of genes compared as um, like, what was that? A flies or something? Like yeah, uh, the, like the I think the fruit fly we share like sixty four percent. Yeah. Uh, with mouse, it's like ninety two percent compatibility between our genome and mouse genome. And like we Obviously, we don't have that many more genes as well than them. Like we thought there is more genes indeed, yeah. but but because of the process of alternative splicing, we can our biology can allow itself. <coughs> Excuse me. Our biology can allow itself to have not such a big pool of genetic material mm -hmm. because of the alternative splicing. We can produce uh, a, a pool of different proteins that originates from this from the single gene. Yeah, yeah. but at the time but like, we don't have to talk about that. But at yeah. the time, it was kind of like a bit shocking. They're like, "What? We only have this amount of genes." And yeah. Considering how large the genome is, it's like the, the amount of coding or the protein producing part the part of the genome that actually makes protein was very small yeah so, yeah and yeah. that's why they called the rest of the code junk dna yeah and it was like the majority of dna was, was called, called junk, junk DNA. dna and funny enough now i work on junk dna yeah. and it's not so it's but not it so is much a junk. misnomer now like it shouldn't it, it shouldn't be called that way yeah. in the first place yeah but sure we, we learn from our mistakes yeah. right so this is just life <laughs> that's science but uh, that's science but um but again as i said two weeks ago there was a press release that again full complete human genome project so what went wrong or did we miss something or like did we, <laughs> did we have yeah did we have did some are the government hiding something from us yeah, like did we have conspiracy? Um, did we have like flying ability that they just didn't want to tell us or? yeah is x-men real <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, actually, what happened is our technology was crap. Our sequencing technology yeah. was just not good enough. And there are certain certain places in our genome that are easy accessible or 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 hard or hard to access. And um, to tell the truth, 
92% of the human genome was deciphered by 2003. Okay. So hence they called it the f full genome uh, sequence. Yeah, so it was pretty good considering. It, it was pretty good. The the ninety two percent is so called U chromatin, and it's uh, which is a complex of DNA and protein interactions. And this U chromatin is very lightly packed DNA. It's like you said, it's the DNA that contains all the coding parts, all the important parts for us. Uh, and because it contains the coding parts, it's it loosely packed. So proteins can come in and come out, interact with it, constantly trans transcribe uh, transcribe the, the right uh, DNA to mRNA and then translate it to protein. Yeah. So that's why it was easy to access that. On the other hand, you have these 8%, uh, which was not sequenced, and it's called heterochromatin. And again, heterochromatin is the exact opposite of euchromatin. It is tightly packed. It doesn't really have coding parts uh, for proteins, but it perhaps have a regulatory uh, purposes, which of which we might have not known at the time. And this eight percent of this human genome pro of this human genome is located in the middle of the chromosome, which is referred as the centromere and also at the very end of the of the chromosome from top to bottom and these parts are called Telomere. telomeres yeah. and these are just really tightly packed as i said tightly packed genomic structures not easily accessible i would imagine they would be very hard to sequence back in uh, mm -hmm. 2000 2003 so actually this new genome uh, this this current human reference genome that was released by the genome reference consortium under the name of a telomer to telomer, so T2T, very, very fun mm. name. And it actually um, resolves the remaining 8% that was previously unknown. But like for the original human genome, did they just say, did they even disclose that they didn't do this? Or did they just like, we don't know, or did they just like, oh, we don't, it doesn't exist? No, I, I think I, they did disclose it, but it was such a, still such a huge discovery they, that it was, it was still overshadowed. It was just overshadowed and just like the things we discussed when, you know, everyone was afraid like that, that we're going to learn too much about ourselves, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there was just, and that in this kind of this, this way of thinking even overshadowed the, the, the point of uh, yeah. discovering the human yeah. genome, you yeah. know, so everything was like designer babies, <laughs> uh, this and that, you know, flying cars because we discovered the yeah. genetic code, but no, I think it was a little bit over-exaggerated in the media, I'm sure. But it was always no, it was always known that yeah, oh, yeah. it 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 wasn't this part wasn't done. So Because there was missing bits that couldn't get couldn't get sequenced like, mm -hmm. you know, in this heterochromatin you have these repetitive sequences. So you have a you have a large sequence of let's say A's and T's and it just go one after the other and it's really hard to sequence this this super large repetitive mm. sequences because like your, your your polymerase can like fall off yeah you know because it just goes for so long with the same thing mm. it's 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 just tricky so so that's why we need these new technologies that are accessible to to us right now and we call them long read sequencing so we don't we don't have to chop up our dna into little pieces sequence them individually and then try to puzzle it back together yeah now you just do this unbelievably wrong, long read sequencing, which just gives a better better resolution of what are we looking at, you know, because you don't have to piece things together. Yeah. So the telomer to telomer consortium 
completed uh, 3.055 billion base pair sequences of the human genome. It's like ridiculous That's number. <laughs> okay, well, two different perspectives. No, <laughs> no but it's it's completely it's, it's it's huge, and it corrects the errors from the prior references, from the uh, previous genome references that were being used. It introduced nearly 200 million base pairs of sequence containing one. Uh, 1,956 genes predictions, and 99 of which are predicted to be coding proteins. So, so even though we had 92% of the genome discovered, and we thought it's like the it's the coding part, mm. there's still something escaped from us. You oh, know? so they missed some genes. They missed some genes, but you know, if it if it was hidden in that heterochromatin, or maybe it was just a, a tricky region to sequence yeah. within the u-chromatin, you would miss that. Yeah, and you 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 perhaps you you wouldn't even know that you have missed it, you know. Mm. So kind of having these bigger pictures really really shine some lights on, on the human genome, and so the completed region, as I said, included the centromeric region in the center of the chromosome. There are some sort of uh, duplications that also got uh, sequenced, and interestingly. There is a, a short arm of all five acrosentin chromosomes was resolved. So I, for example, I didn't know that there are some regions of the chromosomes that you know could not be fully resolved. And these acrocentric chromosomes, these are chromosome 13, 14, 15, 21, and 22. And what it means, when you look at the chromosome and you have a centromere in the middle, you have a, a short arm which goes up from the centromere and you have the long arm which goes down from the centromere. Yeah. And and the acrocentric chromosomes they have a very very short uh, upper part. Short arm. Yeah, yeah, very short upper part. Oh, okay. Like and it's and it's so short that it's mostly composed of heterochromatin. Oh, so okay. it was like really hard to sequence in the first place. But now uh, now we have uh, we have a we have a proper resolution of these of oh, these regions. Interesting. Yeah, and it just contains numerous copies of genes coding for ribosomal DNA. So not necessarily like a functioning protein yeah. that does a function, but more like a kind of a, an instructor, an assist, assistant to something that is happening, hmm. which is also very, uh, very important. Yeah. Um, another thing that I found interesting about that study is how they went about uh, to actually sequence it and what kind of cells did they use to sequence it, right? I thought mm. that was interesting. Like, what is your source? Is it a white male, cis, <laughs> perhaps? <laughs> yeah. Which is probably we was, to, in fairness. Probably. All, all yeah. the studies are. A hundred percent. Wasn't yeah. it that the, the one time they didn't use it, it was the, the HeLa cells and there's a whole story about the HeLa. These are like a cell line that people use for experiments and it was like taken from a, a, a black woman who had yeah. cervical cancer and they just basically they just, took it. they just took the cells and immortalized them so they don't die and then they sold them on and people use them in labs now spread them and she never got a she never got she never gave her approval for no. it so i never got any money happened. out of it either Nothing. so yeah in that situation it was terrible what happened but well, yeah science science is full of these Things it's only because science is run by humans and humans make mistakes. <laughs> well, people who can take advantage as well, but yeah, but that was yeah. back whenever the 60s or I don't know, 
Yeah, America in the 60s was a different world, right? Yeah. Nobody was thinking about stuff Ethics. like that, which is a petty, which is a shame. But anyways, what, so what cells were they using? So actually what they did is the the genome source for this study was Haida, I, give, me, give me a second, Haida TD form mole. Haida TD form mole. Okay, what's okay? that? So this is a slow growing tumor that develops from uh, tropoblastic cells, which are cells that help an embryo attach to the uterus and form the placenta. Mm. So this is what happens. You have an egg yeah. that is just so happens the egg is empty of its genetic code inside. There is nothing there. It's just a shell. Yeah. And you have a sperm cell. Yeah. A sperm cell from its nature contains half of the chromosomes that normal normal cell ha normal says cell has. Yeah. So from front 46 goes down to 23. That 23 chromosome sperm cell goes inside that empty shell of an egg. Yeah. And inside that inside that shell, it duplicates itself. Yeah. So from the twenty three, you go back to forty six. Oh, so it, it, it there are two two identical chromosomes because they're yeah from the yeah same. exactly, and it's all paternal so source because mm -hmm. uh, as but I where said, did they the get the sperm from? A donor. I don't know who donated the sperm cell. <laughs> Is it so this <laughs> random donor has his complete genome? I think I would. What I would. What I would think more likely to probably have like libraries of these kind of things already prepared and you can just source or source it from the like from like okay. genomic library rather than putting an advertisement on reddit <laughs> that you, to some some random people get some sperm <laughs> for this <laughs> human genome project for this massive project yeah yeah um, okay so what happens in the what happens in the physiology of this um high TLD form mole is that you actually losing a Y chromosome, so you you ending up ending up and you ending up with a cell that has a forty six chromosomes XX. Oh, okay. So just so by, is this through some manipulation of how? Yeah, it just it just the way the way it divides. Uh, in that process, it actually loses the Y chromosome. So, so now we know that the um, the the sequence DNA is of a paternal line because it's from a sperm and it lacks Y chromosome. Okay. And yet it was published as complete human genome sequence. Oh, so you're saying that's a flaw in the... All I'm saying is that uh, once again, just like they did in 2003, it was proclaimed as a full human genome sequence, but uh, we have a, we have a evidence here that they actually, and they say it in the paper, like I've I've read the paper, they say it in the paper that they did they did miss the Y chromosome. But when you look at the press release that was done for that particular oh, work, it was all said it as a full human genome uh, for a final, woman. Finally, yeah. So a woman's fully genome is fully done. Yeah, of the paternal paternal line. Oh yeah, because it's because it's all coming from a sperm cell. But like it is, it is. Yeah, a the XX. Phenotype. It doesn't matter. It, like it is a female, but like there is nothing about female about that genotype. But like, is it is it that big of a deal? Like, well, it's just a big of a deal that like they can't the, say hundred percent. Yeah, they can't say the hundred percent. And like, if there is something lacking about the Y chromosome, it would be nice to get like a, a, a full resolution. Just the same, just exactly what they did with the acrocentric mm. chromosomes. You know, they did sequence this little part 
above the central mirror mm. just but to maybe have the full... Y chromosome is already really well detailed or something that's why did they say why they decided it should not do uh, they well they because it was the limitation of the oh, of okay. the of the model they, they were using to sequence yeah and at the time at the time they are not able to produce um to produce a cell for sequencing that would have the y chromosome in there they always yeah. end up with the xx so it's just something that they have to work on um just a little bit harder if they want to get it done okay <laughs> so what it all means is that these studies gave only a glimpse of the uh, extensive structural variation that lies within the most repetitive regions of the genome assem uh, assembled. So there is, it, it doesn't mean that work stops here. You know, there is, mm. there is still something to be done. It actually proved how important long-read sequencing technology is to us uh, moving forward. Yeah. Um, and, you know, last but by all means not least, the new genome doesn't capture the full diversity of human genomic variation. And yeah. it, it, that's just yeah, what that's it is. Yeah, that's actually the other thing is like, uh, is a sperm donor, do we know, is it a white I, guy, like a different ethnicity? That's, yeah. I probably is a white guy. <laughs> Some Anglo-Saxon, most likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the true, true. But I'm sure like... Um, I'm sure that's the next step, like just to get different ethnicities, different. There is. Um, they actually, the people who sequence that, they actually work in, uh, are in collaboration with some other consortium, um, under the name of Think One Thousand Genome Project. I think we even mentioned it this One Thousand Genome Project when we had our debate about um, sequencing of oh, the babies. Yeah. Uh, so this 1000 Genome Project people, they diver they are diversifying the pool of uh, genomic sequences um, that are available. And through collaboration with the T2T consortium, that would definitely enrich mm. what is available more reference to us. genomes, basically. So yeah, that way and you can... And it is, Sorry, it is ahead. nice. Yeah, well, yeah. It, is, it is nice to to be aware that something that in one population, uh, you know, seems seems like a, like low frequency uh, polymorphism in a completely different ethnicity could be actually the, uh, the, the major allele could be yeah. the, the, the main allele, you know, yeah. and like, if you don't, if you don't know these things, you, you literally don't know them. So that's why it is so important mm. uh, to the diversify whole, the genome. And the whole single nucleotide polymorphisms. So like mm -hmm. where there's just literally one base pair difference, like yeah. before that mightn't be that big of an important, but now it's like showing it is kind of important and to have really high detailed genomes which like a reference so that you can compare and know okay that, that this is a true yeah uh a single change in the nucleotide it's it's super useful especially for diseases and and uh and stuff like that so and you can use those changes as uh, markers because yeah. and, and and stuff like that just to identify things and oh yeah, yeah and so like for as well like just to track humans evolution as well like it's amazing yeah. really so it's it's all important and i can yeah i don't think we 